pain. A few weeks ago, I was teaching on worship, the importance of worship, and I wanted to pick that back up on this Wednesday because we must not only praise the Lord, but we must worship him as well. We must continue to praise and worship the Lord. I truly believe that through our praise and through our worship, the miraculous will take place. Amen. 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 Through our praise and through our worship, I'm telling you, the miraculous will take place. Because regardless if you feel it, see it, if you begin to worship him, God will meet your need. He will meet your need. I know that to be true. There's been situations in my own personal life that I didn't see it, I didn't feel it, and yes, there was some doubt starting to creep in. But when I begin to throw up my hands, when I begin to lift up my voice, when I begin to magnify him, the Lord always met me right where I needed to meet him. Always. He has never failed me. Now, there has been times when I have failed him. And the times when I have failed him is due to my lack of praise. It's due to my lack of worship. That is in my times of failing him. And when people are going through seasons of doubt, through seasons of uncertainty, through seasons of fear, I challenge you to always look back at your praise and your worship. I challenge you to look back at your prayer and your fasting. All those things go together. Amen. But if you will stay consistent in your praise, if you will stay consistent in your worship, those doubts, those fears, those uncertain moments, those seasons, they won't last as long as they last. Amen. That's why the scripture says weeping endures for a night. But joy said it comes in the morning. Amen. Because that's the will of God. The will of God is for you to weep. Oh, y'all missed that. The will of God. Jesus wept. There is a time. There, there, there is, we, are, we are humans. There is emotion. There's time for us to weep. The Bible says there's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. Amen. Yes, you are, we are, and we're going to cry, but it shouldn't last always. That's why he said endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy is a decision. Joy is a choice. Scripture says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. So in order to have joy in him, we must choose to have joy in the Lord. We must wake up saying, I will rejoice and be glad in it. We must rise up every day. And say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We must continue to rejoice because rejoice is a choice that we make in order to have that joy in the Lord. And so I want to continue to teach on worship because I truly believe if we as a body, we as a body can continue to have the mindset and have the, um, the effort is what I want to say put forth the effort to praise and worship God. Because on Sunday mornings, when we come in here to the house of the Lord, we must praise and worship the Lord. Amen. Amen? Now, we understand and know the importance of praise and worship on a consistent basis. But I want to heavily dwell on the importance of praise and worship when we come into the house of the Lord. 
all right? There are people that come here into the house of the Lord, and they are in need. And I'm telling you, when there is an atmosphere of praise and worship, that need can be met. It can be met. It can be met in the unbeliever and the believer. Because some of us as believers, we have needs when we come into the house of the Lord. And in the spirit of worship, when we come into the house of the Lord, even before the preaching begins, when there's a spirit of worship in the house, and God begins to move in the midst, that need can be met. God can begin to minister to people right there in the spirit of worship. But if we, as children of God, come into the house of the Lord without a mindset of praise and worship, what we're doing is, is we are stopping the manifestation of God. That's what it is. We are assuming, and I just taught on that. I taught on that Sunday night. We are assuming that God is just going to show up, meet us here, and manifest his power. Not going to happen. We must worship him. We must worship him. I'm preaching to young, middle-aged, and older right now. We must worship him. So if you can stand in worship, stand in worship. If you can last five minutes of standing, you stand your five minutes, sit down on that sixth minute. Amen? But if you can't stand for a long time, you can wave your hand. You can say, Lord, move in this place. Lord, I, I, come on, I'm teaching right now. Lord, move in this place. Have your way in this place. Touch somebody's heart in this place. Amen. We should not come into the house of the Lord on our own agenda. I don't know if I'm going to get to my notes today. But I, I, I'm talking to us right now. Because we must come in one mind, one accord. And when we come with the spirit of worship and the spirit of praise, I'm telling you, the miraculous will take place. It will take place. It will. But we must come lifting up the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. When that worship song goes up, there's some songs I know, there's some songs I don't know. But you know what I'm doing? I'm worshiping. And if I don't know it, Lord, have your way. <laughs> have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Come on, y'all done that before. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Amen? But, I'm, but see, it's the, it's the mindset that I have. Regardless of what I feel, I'm saying, Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Because the song may not be ministering to me, but it could be ministering to somebody out there. There could be a verse in that song that speaks to somebody's heart. Amen? Because we learned that music is prophetic. And that word of prophecy, those music, those songs of prophecy can go forth and minister to someone's heart. Speak to someone, cause them to move to a place that if they, did not, they did not anticipate moving to. Amen? So church, when we come to the house of the Lord, we must come with a mindset to praise and worship the Lord. Amen. And so I'm challenging the people of God. Sunday mornings, we got to praise him. Sunday mornings, I, I, I'm teaching a culture right now. Amen. This is a culture. I'm teaching about culture. I, I, I believe in culture. I believe in setting the culture of a church. I believe in setting the tone, the culture of what you want the atmosphere to be like, what you want the mindset of the people to be like. If you don't teach it, how do people know? Or if you don't remind the people, right? Because I'm talking to some that need to, that need to hear it for the first time. 
I'm talking to others, you've heard this for years, and we just need to be stirred up a little bit. We need to be reminded a little bit. Just stir it up and say, I, I, I know we pressed our way to the house of the Lord, but we've got to say, Lord, I'm here to worship you. Lord, have your way in this place. Have your way, Lord, in this place. Touch somebody's heart here today. Amen. It may not be my child today, but one day it's going to be my child. So I'm going to worship the Lord here today. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the culture. That's culture. And that's the importance of worship. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise. When we praise, it causes other people to praise. It becomes contagious. When we praise, it helps the person that is maybe a little shy to lift their hands and start praising. When we clap, it helps another individual. It's okay to clap my hands. When somebody starts dancing, all of a sudden it, come, it becomes a little less intimidating for somebody else. And say, oh, I, I feel like dancing myself. Amen. That's what praise does. But when we worship, whew, when we begin to exalt the name of Jesus, when we begin to worship him just for who he is, that's when the Lord says, oh, in the midst of two or three, there it is right there. There am I in the midst. Now I'm there because God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So there are 10 things I want to highlight here just very quickly. 10 things I want to highlight when it comes to worship. I want to talk today about worship can be a witness. Worship can be a witness. Really, I should say that worship should be or it is a witness. But worship can be a witness. The one thing is, and I hit on seven of these a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to run through them again to make sure that we're all on the same page. The number one thing is only believers can truly worship God. For the Bible says in John 4, 24, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We magnify our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in worship by expressing our love and commitment to him. We believe there are many appropriate ways to express our love to God. These include praying, singing, thanking, listening, giving, testifying, trusting, obeying his word, among many others. God, not man, is the focus and center of our worship. You don't need a building to worship God. I worship him on Thursdays. I worship him on Friday. We should be worshiping him every day. You can take this building away, which they did for a little while. That didn't stop our worship. It didn't stop our worship. It didn't stop my praise. You don't need a building to worship God. I'll give you Bible. Acts 17, 22. It says, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God whom therefore you ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Hallelujah. No building or lack of one should ever be allowed to control, limit, or distract people from worshiping God. For as I quoted earlier, Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in 
the mist. I'm in the midst of them. Number three, there is no correct style of worship. Jesus only gave two requirements for legitimate worship. It must be done in spirit and in truth. Regardless of style, true worship employs, employs both your right brain and your left brain. It engages both emotion and intellect, your heart and your mind. We must worship in spirit and in truth. It takes both. Somebody who is intellectual and they can't humble themselves to worship, God will not do anything for them. Your intellect is for nothing. Your intellect will only get you so far. You must humble yourself. You must fall on your knees and worship. Because if you don't, one day you will. You must worship. So to those thinkers out there, you must understand that it takes worship in order for you to receive what you want from the Lord. You want the Holy Ghost? You can't think your way into the Holy Ghost. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to believe. You've got to worship. Amen. Even those that are intellectually uh, challenged. <laughs> I'm not pointing no fingers. My hand, my hand. See this? I went just like this. I've seen folks that don't have the smarts like others receive more in their lifetime. More good, more favor than those that had the intellect. Oh, I've seen it. And they wonder, how did they get there? Because they trust in the Lord. Number four, unbelievers can watch believers worship. Yes, they can. Remember, the topic is worship is a witness. Worship can be a witness. So unbelievers can watch believers worship. Unbelievers can observe the joy that we feel. They can see how we value God's word, how we respond to it, and how the Bible answers the problems and questions of life. They can notice how worship en encourages, how worship strengthens, and how worship changes us. It is even possible for them to sense when God is supernaturally moving in a service, although they won't be able to explain it. Number five, worship is a powerful witness to unbelievers. If God's presence is felt and if the message is understandable. God's presence must be felt and the message is understandable. In Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, God's presence was so evident in the disciples' worship that it attracted the attention of unbelievers throughout the entire city. We know it must have been a big crowd because 3,000 people were saved that day. Why were those 3,000 people converted? Because they felt God's presence and they understood the message. Few people, if any, are converted to Christ on purely intellectual grounds. It is the sense of God's presence that melts hearts and explodes mental barriers. In church, if you trust me to deliver the message so that people understand, I must trust you to set the atmosphere of the supernatural moving of God. It is important. That's why I challenged us when we come here to church on Sundays, we must praise and worship the Lord. We, don't, we should not come for any other purpose. If we've come to talk, meet, and greet, that's a great time to come before or stay after service. But as soon as we start service, all of our minds and attention should be focused 
on Jesus Christ. Nothing else should matter. Nothing else should matter. Our attention should be on him. Amen? From the youngest to the eldest, our attention should be on Jesus Christ. That's not the time to clip nails. That's not the time to be checking social media. It's not the time to be flipping through books and doing this and that. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. Now, if you got your Bible open because you heard something or something was prompted to your mind and you want to search the scriptures, that's okay. That's a totally different story. Sometimes I'll be worshiping, I'll look out, and i see some folks kind of going through their Bible. No, that's, that's different. Now, if I turn around 15 minutes later and you're still in that word, now we need to talk. Because <laughs> either you can't find it <laughs> or you're just not paying attention. Amen? <laughs> That's a different story. But if you're out there and you just, just in your own little world, see, that's a problem. Oh, yes, it is. It's a problem for you and others. Amen? You're hurting yourself and you're hurting other people. I'm not saying it's sin, but it's similar to the effects of sin. See, because when you sin, you don't just affect yourself, but you affect other people. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Uh-huh. When David sinned, he said, I have sinned before God. This sin was unto God when he made that mistake. He knew that he had sinned unto, unto the Lord. But that sin also had consequences not only in his life, but his family's life. Because a child had to die. Because when you make a mistake, it not only affects you, but it also affects others. Yes, it does. When we come to the house of the Lord and we're not in one mind, one accord, and you want to go off on your own agenda, not only are you hurting yourself, but you're also affecting other people. So we must come with one mind, one accord to worship Jesus Christ. Amen. And church, I trust you. If you trust me to deliver the word, I trust you to set the atmosphere. I trust you. I trust you to do it. Yes, I do, because I know y'all trust me to deliver the word. I know you do. I know you guys trust me to stick to this book and preach the word. And I trust you to come and say, Lord, have your way. I've heard, I've heard many of you say out of your mouth, bless the man of God. Touch the man of God. Use him, Lord. Helping God to preach. Helping, Lord, that there won't be any hindrances. Helping God. Use him, Lord. And I know there's many of you that do it even while I'm preaching. And I thank the Lord for that. Please keep preaching. Keep, keep praying for me. Keep praying for me. So I can preach the word with no hindrances. And I can just say what thus saith the Lord. And I want to encourage the church. It's my job to encourage you. Don't stop praising. Don't stop worshiping. Don't stop. It's important that we set the atmosphere for people to receive. Amen. Number six, God expects us to be sensitive to the fears, hangups, and needs of unbelievers when they are present in our worship service. Whew. Is that up? Yeah, that's up. That's, Y'all might want to write that one down. That's a good one. God expects us to be sensitive to the fears, hang-ups, and needs of unbelievers. So that means you may want to keep your mouth shut. Oh, let me take off that hat. Let me put back on my other hat. 
I know I'm, I know I'm telling the truth. Because their faith may not be where you are. Their understanding may not be where your understanding is. For many unbelievers, it took them everything they could just to come into the house of the Lord. Amen? So if they got a fear or a hang up or anything else, no, that's, not, that's the time to encourage them. Well, you're in the right place at the right time. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you pressed your way out. God's going to deliver you. I believe the Lord is able to do it. And you say it with a smile on your face. Amen. You don't give no, oh, Lord. Well, you, you going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Huh? Yeah. Now, that may be what we say to, to one of our kids. <laughs> Praise God. But when we have someone that is an unbeliever, when they are in our presence, we must be sensitive to their fears, hang-ups, and needs. For the Bible says, well, let's, let's just go. Let's just, let's just continue on. Number seven, a worship service does not have to be shallow to be seeker-sensitive. The message doesn't have to be compromised, just understandable. The message does not have to be compromised. I will say this, this message will never be compromised. It will never be compromised. We do not have to compromise the message. We just have to make sure that people understand the message. Amen? We talked about the spirit of David, or excuse me, the spirit of Daniel. That compromising spirit, that assumption spirit, and ended up being deceived. Amen? We will not compromise. No, uh-uh. We just have to make sure people understand it. That's all. So oftentimes, when I'm speaking on Sunday mornings, hear me, church, I may not be using dialogue or certain things that I will possibly say on a Wednesday night. Are you, you get what I'm saying? Huh? Sister Carson, you got that look on your face now. You, okay, all right, all right. You know your job description. You can, okay, all right. <laughs> now, don't go asking her what her job description is now. That's between us. Yes, it just has to be understandable. So there's certain dialogue and certain things that us church folks may say, well, I probably won't use that dialogue when there's a bunch of guests and visitors out there. Amen? I've got a question from a precious saint of God here in this church that was asking me the other day. I don't have one around me. Uh, those tithing envelopes, they were asking, can you explain what this stuff is on this tithing envelope? See, little things like that, we take for granted. Amen. Little things like that. Little things like SS offering. We know that Sunday school. <laughs> but this, this young person, they didn't know what SS stood for. See, little things like that should open up our eyes, understanding to, to certain things that, you know, we can talk and say certain words and use certain dialogue. It's going right over people's heads. Amen? That spirit of assumption. Oh, I'm, I'm teaching now. That's important. We cannot just assume people know and people understand. But we've got to break it down to their level so that they understand. People want the truth. Those that are searching for truth will find truth. Matthew 5, verse number 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
Unbelievers wrestle with the same deep questions believers have sometimes. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Does life make sense? Why is there suffering and evil in the world? What is the purpose of my life? How can I learn to get along with people? The list goes on. And people want answers, but they want the truth. Our morning worship must be filled with true worship. It must be filled with worship that is in spirit and in truth. The eighth thing, the needs of believers and unbelievers often overlap. True worship begins, or true worship brings focus to needs common to both believers and unbelievers. Both need to know what God is really like. Both need to understand the purpose of life. Both need to know why and how to forgive others. Both need to know how to strengthen their marriage, how to strengthen families, and how to deal with suffering, grief, and pain. We don't stop having needs once we are born again. That's why praise and worship is vital. Because if they can learn the importance from us, how to praise and worship God, they take that education back home with them. They take, see, what we feel in here and how we feel when we worship, see, we have that same environment and feel in our own home. Well, I hope we do. I know it's not the same. That's why it's important for us to come together and worship God together. But when you're at home, husband and wife, or whether you're single by yourself, you can worship the Lord in your home. And God will meet you right there in your home. Amen. You will, you will know his presence will be there, will be evident right there with you. But see, unbelievers, people that come into this house, when they feel what they feel, and they begin to say and talk to me, and I know many of you know this, that they go right back home and they deal with the mess, the turmoil, the chaos, the drugs, the alcohol, the cussing, the gambling, the abuse. They walk right back into those atmospheres, wishing they can run away from it. But if they can learn, hallelujah, if they can learn from you and I, that honey, when you go home, you know how you worship here? You can worship right at home. You can shut that door in your room. You can lift up your hands. You can call upon the name that's above every name. You can begin to magnify the Lord, and God will meet you right where you are. Yes, he will. Yes, he can. Hallelujah. But see, they don't know that. They won't know that unless we teach them unless we show them. Church, I, I'm trying to help us because we've got to have a culture in this church that is not all about me all the time. It's not all about me. It's not all about me. And when we come with that mindset, I'm telling you, the Lord's going to pass right by. He's going to pass right by. We can't assume because we've been here for so long that God is just going to do anything and everything for us. Like we've deserved it, like we've earned it. We don't deserve a thing. We haven't earned anything. Every day is a day of thanksgiving. Every day we must continue to thank the Lord for all that he's done. Every day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it.
and be glad in it. Amen. Number nine, specialize the service with purpose. That's a tongue twister. Specialize the service with purpose. This is what I mean by this. Sunday mornings is what I consider, if I can use this term, motivational. What we call in church, we raise in it evangelistic. We've heard that for years, for those that have been around church. Again, that's one of those terms. Unbelievers, most people that weren't raised in church, they have no idea what that means. But if you say motivational, they, they get that term. Sunday mornings, evangelistic or motivational. It should be a service that is geared strategically about motivating the unbeliever to an altar. It should be geared, our mindset, our focus should be all about motivating an unbeliever to an altar. That one person to an altar. Hallelujah. That's the culture that we need to build in this church. That's the culture that everyone should have, the mindset that we should have when we come in here on Sunday mornings. Specialize the service with purpose. Every service has a purpose. Sunday mornings, Lord, have your way in this place. Move on one person. Move on one person. Drive them. Move them to an altar, Lord. Move them to a place where you can grip their heart. Change them, God. Today can be somebody's day that they go down in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I am grateful to the Lord. I don't know how many Sundays it's been. I, I've, I've, I've kind of lost track of it. And that's a great thing. I've lost track of it. How many Sundays in a row it's been? Somebody's been baptized in Jesus' name. I mean, every single week, every single week. Every single week. Someone said I had my number wrong. Somebody was correcting me. I said 42, but I believe it's 43 now. I believe I was one off. Is that right, Sister Pruitt? Been keeping track? 43 souls baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody say common occurrence. I'm telling you, church, it's going to be common. Baptisms, Holy Ghost, miracles, it's going to be common. 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 I'm talking, when we say 43 baptized, we're going to be saying the same number with the Holy Ghost. We're going to be the same number healed in Jesus' name. We had 10 healed last Sunday. We had five healed last Sunday. We had another 15 healed. I'm telling you, common ground. Common ground. We had another one raised up out of the sickbed. We had another one where the doctor said they only had so many months, God healed their body. We had another one. Amen. I'm telling you, <laughs> that's where my faith is, y'all. That's where my faith is. That's where it's at. I'm believing in it. I'm trusting in it. I'm fasting for it. I'm believing God for it. Common ground. Why not? 
We prayed and fasted for folks to receive the Holy Ghost. God's been pouring out his spirit ever since we've been fasting. Reconciliation. Amen. Brother Steve McGee, you're here because we was praying and fasting, brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. We was praying and fasting. Oh, yes, we were. Those things just don't happen by coincidence. No, you just don't stumble on the Holy Ghost. <laughs> no, uh-uh. We was believing God. Amen. That God would get a hold of not only his heart but other hearts. The Lord's been doing it. That's why it's important for me as the pastor to let this church know where my mindset is and where my heart is. We have to come with a mindset on Sunday morning evangelistic, motivational. One person. That's why we must have a culture in this church of praise and worship. Sunday morning and Sunday evening. I know Sunday mornings we, you know, you may have to drink a couple of extra cups of coffee. Hey, I'm telling you right now, I'll move service back if it will help us worship. I'll do anything it takes. Whatever it takes. Because it's all about souls. It's all about people. I don't have nothing up my sleeve. No, don't worry. We, we still going to be here at 10, praise God. <laughs> they said, we know Brother Robinson. He'll, hey, there's no telling. You, you have to understand your pastor's heartbeat, though. I just want to see lives changed. I, I want to see lives changed. People, people impacted. That's what, it's, that's what it's all about. Whatever it takes to impact people, to impact souls. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Sunday mornings, evangelistic. Sunday evenings, instructional. Instruction to the body of Christ. Instruction to the people. Instructional. Wednesdays, it's foundational. It's where we get our foundation. Sunday mornings, evangelistic, motivational. Sunday evenings, instruction. Wednesdays, is foundational. That's why it's important not to miss one service. Not one service. Because if you're missing one thing, you're missing some foundation, you're missing some instruction, and you're missing the opportunity to be a part of what God is doing. You shouldn't miss one service. It's important to be in God's house. Well, if you don't clap, I'll clap for that. Amen. It's important. Number 10, the last thing. There are two reasons for worship in a church service. You see them? There's two reasons for worship in a church service. There are two reasons why it's important to worship in church. There's two. Either you're in need and there's a cry of desperation or you don't have a need and there's a cry of inspiration. Either way, we should be worshiping. There's two reasons why we should worship. If you need something, you need to be worshiping. <laughs> Amen? You need to be worshiping. Now, if you've come to the house of the Lord, you don't necessarily need anything. We probably need to talk about that anyway. But you know how some, I want to hit all playing grounds here. All, every, every inch, every corner. If you don't have a need, well then you should be worshiping out of inspiration to support somebody else. 
in their desperation. Because you may not be desperate, but somebody else may be desperate. And you just need to worship and praise and magnify him and say, go ahead. Go ahead, sister. Go ahead, brother. God is able. He'll do it. He'll work it out. Amen. Because you might be all right, but the person behind you may be going through the roughest time in their life. And when you begin to lift up and magnify the Lord and God's begin to move in this place, it will move that person that's in desperation to an altar where God can change their heart and change their life. So whether you're in need or no need, we still need to worship God. Hallelujah. We still need to worship God. I have been around long enough to know this, that we sometimes overemphasize minor factors. We get too consumed with the things that we think will draw unbelievers or unchurched. If all seekers were looking for, for, what, for what we call a quality production, they would stay at home and watch TV. <laughs> what really attracts large numbers to a church is changed lives. I'm going to say that again. What draws people, what attracts people to church is changed lives. People want to be where they see other people change. They want to go somewhere where they say, if it can happen to you, then I believe it can happen to me. It has changed lives. Now that's the one thing I did like about testimony service. Testimony service got a little bit out of hand, so we had to stop it. People was giving too much credit to the devil instead of credit to the Lord. Worried about some toe ache instead of just magnifying the Lord. But that's the one thing I enjoyed about testimony service when I was growing up. I used to hear brother or sister so-and-so stand up and tell about the goodness of the Lord. They will stand up in the congregation and say, this was going on this week, but God. This was happening yesterday, but God. And they begin to testify about the goodness and the greatness of the Lord. And somebody else on the other side of the church will stand up and start shouting, start praising God. They'll start magnifying because of the words that somebody else said. They had no idea that somebody else in the church was going through the exact same thing. And they needed to hear the testimony of somebody else. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. Because it attracts. Change lives attracts people. Change hearts attracts people. Oh, yes, it does. People are hearing about what's happening in this church. Word is spreading about what is taking place in this church. They're hearing about the changed lives. They're hearing about the baptisms. They're hearing about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They're going to consistently hear about the miracles, signs, and wonders. Oh, yes, they have. Oh, yes, they will. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. They're consistently hearing. Many are sitting back waiting to see what's going to happen next. Many are just hesitant in their spirit to just make a move. But they're feeling the tug to come to the house because they hear about what's taking place here. I'm, t I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I know. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you hear it amongst your friends and family and peer group. They're talking about what's taking place here. 
And we're not saying that with any other reason but to glorify and magnify the Lord. Amen. He's the one that's doing it. He's the one that's making the way. He's the one that's providing, moving on people's hearts. But that's what attracts people. It's not gimmicks. It's not this. It's not that. It's not plays. All the things that we put so much little emphasis on sometimes. Then I'm all for those things. Little kids' plays and all that stuff. But if people's lives are not being changed, what's the point? What's the point? We do those things to help people understand that your life can be changed. To get them into an atmosphere where there's praise and worship so their life can be changed. That's what it's about. What do you think Christmas and all that stuff? We, we know Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. All these, all these things that we celebrate, you know, the Easter and bunnies and eggs and all that stuff. No, no, no. We as a body use those things as an outreach tool to get people into the house of the Lord so that they can be in the presence of worship. That's all it's about. That's it. And if you think it's about anything else, we can do a Bible study later on that. I'm telling you, that's all holidays that we support is about. That's it. You ain't going to hear, hear nothing about no Santa Claus in my house. All right, I'm getting off track. I'm getting off track. I'm just telling the truth. That's all it's about. Everything we do must go back to glorifying Jesus Christ. Everything. It all has to go back to glorify Jesus Christ. That's it. And people are attracted by change. Matthew 20, 28 says, as I wrap up quickly, as I wrap up quickly, even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. We must have this attitude of unselfish servanthood that permeates the minds and hearts of each member. I know what I'm asking for takes enormous spiritual maturity, but it's needed for us to move forward. It's needed for us to move in a way and comfort, and what I believe truly, to move from comfort to compassion. We must move from comfort to compassion. We must worship. It's part of our witness. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse number 40, they may have it on the screen, they may not. I didn't have this originally in my notes. Luke chapter 10, verse number 40 says, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But verse 42 says, but one thing is needful. But one thing is needful. I'm going to say that again. But one thing is needful. You hear what Jesus said? One thing is needful, and Mary have chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Amen? The one thing is needful. Church worship is needful. It's needful. We must have it.